Welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I am Jennifer and this is episode 154. So, how was your week? <laughs> Mine was okay. I hope yours was good. Mine, like I said, was okay. It was pretty uneventful, actually, which I'm not complaining about. When when I have quiet weeks, it just gives me more time to do the things I actually want to do instead of taking care of stuff I don't want to do. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a few weeks ago, the whole car stuff and the job stuff and the work ID stuff. I didn't have to deal with any of that this week. So I'm grateful. And then remember last week when I talked about the anise cookies that I made, those like uh, Italian anise cookies and um, how I thought that because I already had all the stuff, I would try to make cutouts this week. Yeah, that didn't happen. I, <laughs> But an old friend did reach out to me and she sent me her recipe for cutouts with, you know, like the encouraging message of you can do it, <laughs> which was very sweet, very sweet of her. I want so badly to believe her. But, you know, I have to say, though, I did read her recipe. It actually didn't look like too complicated uh, or too difficult. It, it doesn't even require that you refrigerate it after you mix it. So that's like definite bonus. And I might try it. I mean, I, I'm going to have to work up the courage to do it first. But I and I'm just I'm not there yet. But, you know. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, knowing me as I know myself, I will probably be eating like Christmas cutouts in February. So <laughs> we'll see. But I've been doing other things, right? I, you know, I, I may not have had the courage to, to, to make the cutouts, but I haven't been wasting my time. I think it's just you know, like mostly the time of year, you know, like I, I want to do more things at home. So I've been trying to get back into making all my meals for the week on Sunday. Now, this is something I used to do, but just sort of fell out of the habit once summer came. And I don't even know why, because if I take a few hours on Sunday to make my meals for the week, that saves me so much time and aggravation during the week trying to figure out what I'm going to eat. Like, you know, even just with dinner, like I, I can pretty much in my head plan what I'm going to have for breakfast, what I'm going to have for lunch. They're very simple meals. I, I only can take a half an hour for lunch, you know, so I'm not going to make anything big. It's always dinner where I'm stuck. And then I either have to go out and buy the groceries, I have to take time after a long day at work to create a meal. I just don't want to do that. So, you know, I want to get back into this cooking on Sunday. And I did just a little while ago. <laughs> I made enchiladas and I made a really small uh, lasagna. I had seen and I don't know why this has never occurred to me. I had seen in a magazine, I think. No, couldn't have been. I can't remember the last time I read a magazine. Uh, had to have been Instagram or maybe even Pinterest. Um, anyway, they made lasagna in a loaf pan. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. That is the perfect size for one person to enjoy a few days of lasagna 
and not have to make like a, you know, nine by 13 pan. Cause as much as I love it, I'm not eating a nine by 13 pan of lasagna. I don't care how many days it's spread over. So because of, I remembered that. So I made a small tray of enchiladas and then a small lasagna in the loaf pan. So what I've been trying to do is <laughs> my never ending struggle to eat better. I've been trying to take like some of my favorite foods and just make them a little healthier. Now I know there are thousands of recipes online, you know, healthy food recipes online and they're all great. But if I've never tried it before, I'm always get a little bit nervous because, you know, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of prep and you might hate it. So if I can find something I know I already love, but then make it a little healthier, then I'm definitely going to enjoy it. So I kind of went into both of those, you know, with that sort of mindset and, and enchiladas that they're not really, you know, that bad, you know, aside from like the cheese, but even that, who cares? It's cheese, you know, you don't use that much. It's not like you're using two blocks of cheese. And then you can like make your choice and get like a healthier wrap. So I don't just buy like the regular old flour tortillas. I buy the smaller carb light tortillas, which are low in calorie and low in carbs and high in fiber. So, and protein. So, you know, whatever, make those swaps. Um, I use ground turkey or ground chicken instead of ground beef. And for the lasagna, the way I made it lighter was I used cottage cheese instead of ricotta. Now, I was a little bit nervous about this because there's a consistency thing, right, with cottage cheese. And, and I know a lot of people who say that is their biggest issue with cottage cheese. And I get it. I do. Um, also, you know, not only is it con consistently different, um, oh gosh, it's like cottage cheese is like more runny, you know. So to get past that, one... I put the cottage cheese in my blender first. So you don't have to worry about the consistency, right? It smoothed it right out. And then I let it sit in a strainer for a little while over a bowl. And so that took out a lot of the extra liquid. So really, by the end, if somebody had shown cottage cheese to me in one bowl, the way I made it, and ricotta in another, I don't think I would have known the difference. It was, it, it came out, I was pretty proud of myself because I didn't read that anywhere. I just figured that out on my own. And then I just like prepared everything like I normally do for lasagna. So it smells fantastic. I, but I haven't actually tasted it yet. I'm hoping to eat that tonight. So I will let you know next week how it turned out. I'm pretty excited about it. And you know what? If I'm completely wrong and it turns out terrible and it's just not as good as like the full fat, full calorie version of, you know, the way I usually make lasagna, okay, I just won't make it again. But I have a feeling if it tastes as good as it smells, I'm going to be okay. I'll be making this one again. And like I said, because I have extra time, 
I've been crocheting more. I, I, I think it's really just that time of year, you know? I like to crochet, but I, I'm not great at it. My mom, my mom is very good at it. And, and she taught me when I was pretty young. I, I think I was around 10 or 11, something like that. But even all of these years later, I can't make anything that's like too complicated. You know, like I make a scarf. <laughs> I can make a blanket. And that's pretty much it. But this time I made a baby blanket for my new nephew. And guys, I'm not ashamed to say I was pretty proud of it. Remember I told you I went back to Buffalo in July for my niece's baby shower? My niece. <laughs> Even though I'm divorced, those girls will always be my nieces. But this blanket, not first of all, not only did I finish something, which is rare when I start a craft project, but it came out really nice. I, I think it might be the nicest one I've ever made. And I am so happy that I got to send it to him. So, and, and I got like, my niece sent me some pictures <laughs> of him with the blanket. So cute, but I was really proud of it. And I even had time to do some reading this week. I actually finished a book in three days, which I have not done in a really long time. I told you guys that I used to be like a really quick reader, but the last few years, it takes me weeks, if not months to finish a book, even if I really like it. But with this one, I just, I couldn't put it down. It's called The Housemaid and it's written by Frida McFadden. Amazon lists it as a psychological thriller. And if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can download it for free. It's about a young woman recently released from prison who takes a job as a live-in housemaid for a, a rich family. It's told in two halves, first from the perspective of the housemaid, Millie, and then from the wife of the family Millie works for, Nina. I liked it. It's it's fast-paced. It's written in like a casual style. So I think that's why it was like so easy to read so quickly. One of the reviews I saw said that the twists and turns made them dizzy, but in a good way. And another said that it was shocking in its final reveal. Now, I wasn't really shocked by anything that happened, but I did like it. And there were enough moments of like, wait, what? that it kept me interested. And it wasn't until I finished the book that I realized it's actually part of a series. And this one was book one of three. I've already downloaded book two. I just haven't started it yet because I'm actually in the middle of another book that I stopped reading so that I could read that one. But I'm back to it now. It's called Love and Other Words. It's by Christina Lauren. I saw a recommendation for it somewhere, I think maybe on Instagram, and it sounded like something I would like. So I went to Amazon to see if I could get it. <laughs> it's already in my Kindle library. I have so many ebooks that I completely forgot about it. So I like it. You know, I it's okay, but I want to finish it before I actually recommend it. I've read a lot of good books this year, but still, my two favorites are Big Swiss and Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. So far, nothing has topped those two. 
TV podcast recommendations. No new podcast this week. I did start that Dateline one that I told you about last week uh, called Mortal Sin, I think. It's three episodes in, and I, honestly, I'm still not sure if the entire season is going to be available for free or if they just released the first three to kind of lure you into the Dateline premium subscription. I think they'll continue to release episodes, but I don't know. I think so. It, this one's good. You know, the Dateline ones are always good. So, and I am enjoying it. For TV, I watched two very different movies, but I liked them both. The first was Candy Cane Lane. It's on Prime. It stars Eddie Murphy and Tracy Ellis Ross. And it's about um, Chris, played by Eddie Murphy. He gets fired from his job. And so he decides to enter a neighborhood Christmas decoration contest where the prize is $100,000. And so while he's out shopping with his daughter for Christmas decorations, they come across a magical Christmas shop and Chris unknowingly enters into an agreement with an evil elf. <laughs> this is cute. It's funny. I really liked it. You know, especially because the new Christmas movies so far that have been released this year, they haven't been that great. But this one was actually pretty good. There is usually one every year that stands out. And so far, I think this one is it. And the other movie, on the complete other end of the spectrum is called The One I Love. It's on Hulu. This movie is from 2014. I had never heard of it before. It stars Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss as a married couple trying to work on their marriage after she finds out that he's had an affair. Now, this movie, it's a little weird. It's a little Twilight Zone, but... I can't really say anymore because it'll give it all away. It'll ruin it. But if you're willing, if you buy in, there will come a point where you, where you will be like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> I really like this movie. If you like weird little independent films, check this one out. I think you're going to like this one too. All right, guys, now that you're all caught up on my week, Let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So last week, I got a text from my niece asking if I had watched the documentary on HBO called Love Has Won, The Cult of Mother God. I said I had it saved, but I hadn't watched it yet. From her description, I knew I needed to clear my schedule and watch it immediately. It's only three episodes about an hour each, so very easy to binge in an afternoon, which is exactly what I did. Guys, this is the wildest documentary I have ever seen. Never in my life have I said, what the fuck is happening more than while watching this. If you haven't seen it yet, I will try not to give too much away. But if you have HBO or Max, you need to watch it. It starts out pretty shocking and then goes back to tell the story from the beginning. It's the story of Amy Carlson. What starts out as just a typical young woman who's, you know, just kind of living her life quickly turns to her becoming the leader of a cult. Amy 
who would go on to name herself Mother God, was just a typical child of divorce, raised in Kansas. As she got into her late teens and early 20s, she was just, you know, kind of doing her own thing. She was going to bars, dating, hanging out with her friends. She got a job at McDonald's and quickly rose through the ranks to become a manager. At one point, her mother makes the comment that Amy liked to be the center of attention. They show her doing, you know, a pretty good job singing karaoke and clearly enjoying the applause. She was popular. She was pretty. From there, she goes on to have a string of bad and what sounds like pretty abusive relationships. By her mid-twenties, Amy had been married three times and had three children. Also around that time, she developed an interest in what they called New Age philosophy and would spend a lot of time online and forums where she met an older man named Amarif, who told Amy he believed she was divine, as in he believed she was a deity. After that, Amy started to claim she was having paranormal experiences. By 2017, Amy and Amareth grew so close that Amy decided to leave her husband and children and join Amareth in Colorado and co-lead the Galactic Federation of Light, where she and Amareth began referring to themselves as Mother and Father God. And for a few years, Amy and Amareth were just living their little happy, hippy-dippy, trippy lives in Colorado. They began posting on YouTube, and from what they showed in the documentary, it just kind of looked like Amy talking about love and light. You know, aside from them calling themselves God, it all just kind of seemed harmless. I mean, sure, they were a little out there, but they didn't seem to be harming themselves or anyone else. But of course, if that was where their story ended, that'd be a pretty boring documentary. Eventually, Amy leaves Amrith and replaces him with the first of many other father gods. As Amy's YouTube followers become actual in-person followers, moving in with her and traveling to different houses all over the country, the documentary starts to really get into Amy's true beliefs, which include things like she is the mother of all creation who birthed the entire human race. She believed she was reincarnations of Jesus, Joan of Arc, and Marilyn Monroe, and was spiritually connected to Robin Williams. In fact, there's a lot of talk about Williams throughout this documentary, like a weird amount of talk about him. Of course, they just refer to him as Robin. The documentary turns more to Amy's followers and their devout belief that Amy really is who she claims to be, the mother of all creation. Meanwhile, Amy is spending a lot of her time consuming copious amounts of alcohol daily. Her followers, many of whom are still, you know, they were living with her, they would started posting regularly on YouTube talking about Amy and her teachings. They seemed to make their money selling what they called healing products. Amy herself claimed she could cure cancer. One video shows them talking about the healing powers of colloidal silver. 
And it was at this point that I knew, oh, this is going to be bad. From there, it just goes off the rails or further off the rails. The documentary interviews several of her past and current followers, and listening to them talk about her is mind-blowing, if not a little terrifying. They were all or are still so completely in. Even to this day, she still has followers. Her group continues. They're still posting videos. When I was almost finished watching this series with my mouth hanging open, I realized that there was one thought that kept running through my head, which was, what is wrong with these people? How could they be so gullible? And why are they still touting her beliefs and teachings? But then I had another thought, and it's something that I can't stop thinking about even a week later. Is this how atheists view Christians or any religion? When I thought about it, framed this way, I was actually a little envious of the, their total and complete devotion to their beliefs and who they believed to be their God. I talked about my own beliefs and how I believe in God and prayer, but I have also said that I can't say with 100% certainty that heaven exists. I mean, I certainly hope it does. Not so much as a reward for the way I live my life, but so that one day I will see everyone I have ever loved again, including my pets, because no one is going to tell me that the purest souls I have ever known don't make it into heaven. But for the followers of Mother God, there is no doubt. It didn't matter that their beliefs are different from mine. It was their devotion that continues to fascinate me. While I watched the documentary, I felt a little sorry for them. And I have to admit, I also thought they were delusional. Putting aside what ended up happening to Amy, I wondered, if faced with the same criticism and backlash, would my faith would stand and endure like theirs has? I honestly don't know. If you're a Christian and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, maybe because there's been so many others before you who have shared your beliefs, it makes it a little easier for you to stand up today and proclaim Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But what if you were alive roughly 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was actually just a kind-hearted carpenter, meeting with people, preaching the good news, caring for the sick and poor? Maybe you would have been among the crowd during one of his servants and thought, oh, that all sounds kind of nice. He sounds nice. I think I'd like to get to know him better. And so you begin to attend more of his gatherings. And then the miracles start. The healing of the sick, the feeding of the crowds. If you believe the writings of the Bible, you know that before Jesus, God was pretty, well, frustrated 
with his creation. Jesus was sent to reconcile, to bring hope, to unify, to sacrifice his life so that we could have a clean slate, a do-over, if you will. But if you were among one of Jesus, if you were among the attendees of one of Jesus's early sermons, would you have believed him? Would you have continued to follow him? Would you have believed him when he said he was the son of God? This isn't the first time that I have wondered about this. Many years ago, I read a book called Eli. It's written by Bill Myers. He, he's a Christian author. It tells the story of Jesus, but not being born 2,000 years ago, being born about 30 years ago. And it asks, what if Jesus had not come until today? Who would follow him? And I remember at the time not being sure of my answer. I can't say with 100% certainty that the answer would be yes. If there was no 2,000-year history of the telling of the birth of Jesus, his teachings, his works, his death and resurrection, would I believe a person today is saying and doing all of those things? Or is my belief more rooted in the longevity of the tale? Because let's face it, it's much easier to believe a story that has been told over and over, generation after generation, for more than 2,000 years. At some point, it stops becoming lore and becomes real. I'm not sure if I'm correct here because God knows I am no perfect Christian. But I think the difference, at least as far as my understanding of God and Christianity, is that we're allowed to and even encouraged to question things. I think God wants us to. Because if not, why did he create us with free will? If you believe, as I do, that we are all the creation of God, he could have just made a bunch of robots who blindly follow him. But he didn't. He gave us working brains with the ability to have discernment and to question things. If someone were to ask me why I believe in God, and if I were to answer as honestly as I could, I think it's probably because it comforts me. The, the, the idea that there is something greater than me, you know, something or someone I can turn to when I'm alone and scared, you know, where I can go for guidance and comfort to ask for help for myself and others you know, on this earth, in this life, not because of whatever reward may be waiting for me in the afterlife, because I don't know if there is an afterlife. It used to be that religion and science were sort of diametrically opposed, you know, at least as far as I understand it. But back in 2012, scientists released a discovery of something they called the, guard, the God particle, saying it was, quote, the key to understanding why there is diversity and life in the universe, unquote. 
the discovery seemed to prove the Big Bang Theory, which also coincides with the story of the creation as told in the book of Genesis. Believers, of course, took this discovery as proof of the existence of God, but scientists weren't so quick to jump on that bandwagon. In the decade plus since then, scientists have learned more about what they called the God particle, and opinions vary. Some say it's the birth of existence, this particle that is estimated to have a lifespan of less than a trillionth of a billionth of a second, while other scientists doubt the discovery completely. Now, I, I'm not smart enough to understand the science behind the, gar, the God particle, and really, I don't need to. It's fine with me. Because if you believe in God, aren't all particles God particles? I believe in God. I have faith that my life is part of a greater plan, that I am guided and protected, that I am loved, that I am a divine creation and a child of God. I believe in guardian angels and that they walk among us. I believe in the power of prayer and divine messages sent to us in ways that we can understand and recognize. You know, get that little feeling in your heart and in your chest the one only a divine message can do. I believe all of those things, but I don't go to church. I used to. As a kid, we went weekly with my mom. But even at a young age, even before I knew the definition of, of hypocrisy, I knew something wasn't right there. I heard what was being taught, but I didn't see many of the parishioners following those teachings. And also, as a child, the whole speaking in tongues thing just freaked me out. I also haven't picked up a Bible in many, many years. In fact, the only Bible verse I have committed to memory is John 3.16. And I suspect that has more to do with the 3.16 than it does with the actual verse. And because of all this, some sects of Christianity would say, I'm not a good Christian, and I won't make it past the pearly gates. To which I say, okay. Nothing I do in this life is for whatever comes next. I've seen too many people who live their lives only for the possibility of whatever may or may not come next, and they always seem to end up disappointed. Now, I'm not going to do that. I just want to be the best person I can be today. And as John taught me to always try to be doing the next right thing. And just like I've said before, if when I die, I find out there is no God, no heaven, no reward waiting for me, I won't be asking, mm, what was it all for then? Instead, I'll be grateful for the time I had and for a life where, yes, many, many mistakes were made, but many lessons were learned, and I was a better person because of all of it. If you know me at all, and I think you do, it will come as no surprise to you that before I sat down to write and record this episode, I prayed about it. I wanted guidance. I wanted to make sure that what I was saying was in line with what I believed and not worry so much about opinions of others. 
because this is about me and my relationship with God. And I can't prove any of what I believe, but I just know that I believe it. I have faith. It's how I define my relationship with God. And it may not be how you define yours. And that is completely fine. If you're listening and you're so inclined and feel the need to pray for me, please do. I welcome any and all prayers said for me. And if you're a non-believer and think I'm delusional, that's okay too. All right, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for coming back for episode 154. Don't forget, join the Facebook group and like the Facebook page, my so-called midlife podcast. Follow me on Instagram at my so-called midlife podcast. If you like the if you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen because the second part is the important part. If you have questions or topic suggestions, email me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Until next time, love you. Bye.